Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 612 for November 2nd, 2019. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth, episode or installment, I should say, 85 of X. Hello. How are you doing? I am doing <laughs> fine after getting very annoyingly wet today over and over and over and over again. Very annoying. Aww. Still. Worst things have happened at sea, oh. including getting very, very well, wet. I was chilly in the morning. And, I was chilly in the morning and got sweaty in the afternoon. When you say chilly, <laughs> are we? To, I'm wondering how many times 50s. my daytime high of five degrees you were. Uh, double, double. Oh, actually, okay. When I got up and that's ten. You, you guys are seriously not used to that. So, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> no, we're just big whiners. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Okay, um, well, today we're doing the next hat in a series on hats, as it were. Um, uh-huh. I, I think you regularly joke with me that in JavaScript, everything's a bloody object. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of JavaScript's go-to, you know, whoever was writing JavaScript, which apparently happened if, if uh, that episode of that Red Hat podcast, why can't I think of the name? Oh, I forget the name of it, but yes, it was... Oh, that's going to annoy me now. Um, anyway, that Red Hat podcast apparently was invented over like a weekend. Um, but they seem to have invented the JavaScript object and then decided that it should be used for everything. So <laughs> the simplest thing it gets used for is obviously its sort of original purpose, which is the dictionary, which is what we spent the last installment looking at. Mostly a redux of what we'd learned before, but just all collected together. And then some new shiny things that came along with recent versions of the JavaScript language. It's called Command Line Heroes. Thank you. That would have annoyed me. You're welcome. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, the last lesson, and I'm looking forward to this one. I think I enjoyed the dictionaries. I like the I like the Redux and and cementing things are things were wobbly in the the pins in the holes, and they seem to be uh, getting more secure. Well, excellent. So let's hope we shall continue. So. Uh, to give you an idea of how many hats there are, so we did dictionaries last time. Today we're doing arrays as the next hat. And then the, the, there are another hat we definitely have to spend a good bit of time on is functions, because there are now three ways of writing functions in JavaScript. Function expressions, function literals, and fat arrow functions. So we definitely need to do some cementing there. Um, yes. And then regular expressions are objects too. We should probably revisit those. And there's also a really nice, cool new feature to come along with ES uh, 2019 or 2018 or 2019. I need to double check that. And then strings have decided to become a Schrodinger's cat of an object. <laughs> oh, no. Because when we started this series, strings were literals. And now strings are literals if you ask them a literal question. And they magically become objects if you ask them an objecty question. Ooh. So in the same way that a wave particle duality, we now have a an object literal duality in JavaScript strings, which is weird. So yeah, wow. so that's what we have to look forward to in future and so on. So I'm not quite sure how many of those are going to collapse into, maybe that's three shows, maybe that's two shows. I'll see as I write the show notes because I don't want to overburden things because that re- defeats the purpose of the Redux. Um. So today we're going to do a raise and we're also going to do a look at the two-week challenge from PBS 83, but we're going to do things in a different order to what we usually do them because my challenge solution contains a bunch of arrays 
So why mm-hmm. don't we talk about arrays first and then look at the sample solutions? Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Can I can I brag about something? By all means. I um discovered something uh called objects.entries mm-hmm. when I was doing my homework and I realized that would give me allow me to get uh key value pairs out of an array or is it the other way around? Uh, out of a dictionary. Now. Out of a dictionary, yeah, and and then I could make array things, and I was I was using it in my code until I started refactoring it, and then that actually disappeared in my final code. But right after I discovered this, uh, there's object.keys, object.values, and object.entries, mm-hmm. and I was very excited because I was able to pick and choose and pull things out and find out like what is the array, uh, you know, location, the the index yeah. of an object or of a of a of a key. And um, right after that, I follow someone named Samantha Ming on Twitter. She's at Samantha underscore Ming. Mm -hmm. And she happened to write, finally, with ES 2017, we officially have three variations to convert an object into an array. And it was specifically those three things. Yes. So I was so excited. I said, I literally discovered these options is very weak. And I use them in something I'm working on. And she wrote back and said, well, do you remember the example you used it for? I want to add it to my list. And so she uh, she added it to her co-notes, what I used it for. And I plugged, of course, the podcast. Yay! It was very exciting. I felt very nerdy. I follow developers because I'm totally one of them. So do you remember very early in this series, one of the things I said was that I hope to get to the stage where all the listeners will have the skills to read the fine manual and read API notes by themselves and use functions and stuff without having to be spoon fed. Congratulations. <laughs> and it took me about four years, but I got there. It's all about practice. 10,000 hours. It always comes out to that. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So before we get stuck in, I do just want to draw your attention to the fact that there is a zip file for this installment. Um, but the zip file is the start of something that's going to get backfilled with 84 previous ones. It's going to take me a while to backfill all the way. But there is now a project on GitHub called PBS Resources, into which I'm going to upload all of the code snippets from all of the assignments and all of the challenges, etc., for the entire series. And because it's now on GitHub, I can use contact delivery networks to deliver the content. So when you download the zip file, it will come from the JS Deliver Content Delivery Network, which is a nice front end that will work with GitHub as a back end. And there are also now, for people who don't want to download or who are on a mobile device, where that's not straightforward, there are now links in the show notes for each of the two files we're going to be looking at today. One to view the file actually running, which I called View Page. And another one to view the source code in a nice web page called View Source. So we have that for. That's a really cool enhancement, Bart. I really like this. Excellent. I'm hoping I haven't painted myself into a terrible hole here because I now realize I have 84 back episodes to do. Uh, <laughs> well, while you're at it, you can fix all the audio clips that are missing. I don't think <laughs> there's any missing, Allison. I, I spent a lot of time getting those fixed. Found one, yes, uh, this week. Oh, well, then so please pass I'll, it on uh, because I was. I have. I thought I had gone all the way back and got them all. If you find them, please let me know, because I uh-huh. thought I was done. Oh, I assumed it wasn't done, so I didn't even write down which one it was. So I'll I'll have to flip through and find it. Yeah, I was, um, I was convinced I had thing- done them all. I spent ages at it about a month or two ago. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm glad I brought it up then. I will find Excellent. it. Um, let me uh, give one other disclaimer here. Because the uh, download of the zip file is now from the JavaScript Content Delivery Network that Bart is using, 
if you're using Safari, it's going to say, hey, is it okay to download something from, and it may be a URL that you don't recognize. Um, it would be JS so Deliver used to, with missing vowels because it's the internet. Yeah, so it it will be um, possibly unfamiliar, uh, but that is okie dokie that uh, that it does have that. So yes. um, I was a little taken aback at first and wondered what that was. Um, yeah, it's cdn.jsdeliver.net. Yes, and of course, once you've said okay once, that's it, because I'll be using JS yeah. Deliver for the rest of the series unless they decide to go bankrupt or something. Um, so that shouldn't happen again. It should only happen the first time you go to download. This is cool. Excellent. I like it. Okay, so having just mentioned all the cool stuff about the homework, um, into arrays, and then back to the homework later. <laughs> okay. So again, we're going to start with the, the array basics as a redux. So we're going to step right the way back. Just like dictionaries are a broad concept shared across many languages to the point that actually JavaScript implements the concept without ever using the word dictionary, you won't find that word in the JavaScript APIs or in the JavaScript keywords or indeed in the official JavaScript documentation. But it is the concept of a dictionary that is implemented by the plain old JavaScript object. So today, the concept that is universal is the concept of the array. And thankfully, JavaScript has adopted the default vocabulary for this one. So in this case, we're using the same word you would use if you were writing in C or C++ or Perl or Java or Python, or Ruby, or any other language I've ever come across, it's arrays. So at least at least we're on simple footing in terms of the words today. Good, good. So every language I have yet to come across has the concept of an array, including Bash. Right, so even your shell can do arrays. Um, and ZSH, oh. now that we're all getting modern with Catalina. Um, so at its fundamental level, an array is an ordered list of values. And the the values it can store will be whatever any variable in that language can store. So, you know, some languages have different concepts than others. Some languages have regular expressions as values and some don't. So depending on the language, whatever you can store in a variable, you can store into um, into an array. Okay. Now, if your language has arrays and you can store any value in an array, well, then the obvious thing you can do is you can have an array of arrays. And you can have an array of arrays of arrays of arrays. Or you can have an array of dictionaries which contain arrays, right? So you can nest this all the way down. And in fact, dictionaries of arrays and arrays of dictionaries and those two primitives mushed together are the basis of pretty much every data structure you will ever build. I mean, that is really the the atom of the data structure is dictionaries and arrays. If you can write it in JSON, you can make it up with dictionaries and arrays. Okay. So the entries in an array are ordered and numbered. And usually, I'm sure there's a language somewhere that's odd, but any language I've written in code in, they are numbered not from one, but from zero. So hence, we have this concept you found hilarious the first time around this loop, which is the zeroth element of an array. Right, right. So the first thing in the array is called element zero. The second thing is called element one and so on. In most languages, you can leave gaps in your array. So 
you could have something at position zero, then nothing at position one, then something at position two again. Perfectly legal to do that. Arrays will have a length associated with them, and the exact rules can vary, but in general, the rule is the highest position that has a value in it plus one. So if your array has 10 elements from zero to nine, then its length is nine plus one, 10. Does that make sense? You know, I read ahead in the show notes and I had completely forgotten about that. And that's irritating, but I can, I can, I can live with it. Basically, the numbering is wrong, but the, num- the counting is correct, right? If you have zero to nine, that is actually 10 elements. Yeah. So the length That's is just... correct. The numbering is what's weird. But yeah, I guess you think about those, those uh, indices are just sitting there waiting for something to go into them. But, the, it, but it's, like, it's like you've got a carton of eggs and you've got one in, in egg position zero, one in 12. Mm-hmm. That's 12. Yeah, you need a 12-size carton. Yeah, They're empty, but they're waiting. Yes. Uh, so moving now from the abstract, from the general, into the specific. So into JavaScript land we go. So... As we've already mentioned in JavaScript, arrays are objects. In fact, you can think of them as being fancy dictionaries where the keys are numeric, starting at zero. Now, they're dictionaries with extra. They're dictionaries with extra functionality. So how does that extra functionality arrive? How is that extra functionality made available? Well, the answer is... In JavaScript, an array is an instance of the class or prototype array with a capital A. And so by being an array with a capital A, the dictionary gains some extra superpowers. The first thing Hmm. it gains is a property named length. And that property does what we expect it to do according to the rules above. So if you make an array with 10 values dot length will be 10. If you make an array with one single value, but you put it at position 9, your array will also have a dot length of 10. So that's keeping with the Let me make sure. Can I try to say this myself? Is an an array, lowercase a, Mm -hmm. is an object of the prototype array with a capital A? Bingo. Okay. So if you want to go and read the manual on what you can do with arrays, then over on MDN, you're interested in the prototype array with a capital A, and that will tell you the properties. And really, there's only one of consequence, which is length, and it will tell you the functions, which we'll get to in a little bit. Okay. So to create arrays, the recommended technique is the array literal. So like last time, we had the object literal being curly brackets on the right-hand side of an equal sign, or basically in any place where a value is acceptable, you can use open curly bracket, some name value pairs, close curly bracket. That's the object literal. Well, the array literal can be used anywhere in JavaScript that you could stick a value, and it is open square bracket, and then just values separated by commas. So to make an array... It's just const my array equals open square bracket and then whatever values you want. So true, comma, 42, comma, life, the universe and everything. Close square bracket, semicolon. That is how you would make an array so named I'm, my array that contains 
the value true at position zero, the value 42 at position one, and the string life, the universe, and everything at position two. So let me stop you again, because mm-hmm. I, I, I read through this and I looked at array literals and I said, oh, that's some weird phrase. It's going to be really hard. I better go look it up and read it beforehand. It just means the syntax of putting the square brackets to the right side of the equal sign. Yes. It is a way of expressing an array, literally. <laughs> okay. A string literal Such is... Such a highfalutin word. Right. A string literal is quotes on a, the other side of a, an equal sign? Yes, a string literal is indeed some characters within quotation marks. Huh. Interesting. And the object literal we saw last time is the curly brackets with the okay. name, colon, value, comma. Name, colon, value, comma. So they're, they're your most common literals. The uh, literal for a regular expression is forward slash some stuff forward slash. So anyway, we'll come to those in a future hat. So yeah, array literal, fancy word for the literal way of writing an array in JavaScript. So we have an array. How do we access the various elements? Well, we've said that the array is a dictionary with some superpowers. So the rules for accessing the elements are the same as the rules for the dictionary. But remember that the rules for the dictionary gave us two options, the dot syntax or the square bracket syntax. And the dot syntax is only allowed if the key is a valid variable name. Well, one of the rules of JavaScript variables is that they cannot begin with a digit, which means there is not a single key here, apart from the length property, but let's not go there. The the normal keys of an array, your 0, 1, 2, 3, they all start with a digit. 0, 1, 2, 3, etc. So none of them can be used with a dot syntax. Therefore, square bracket syntax all the way. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And a- I, my, my rule is just going to be use square bracket syntax all the time, so I don't have to remember this, which when I can use it and when not. Because you can always use it, right? Yes, the, the square brackets will always work. The dot will only work if it's a valid variable name. That is, that is, that, okay. Yes, that is correct. Now, that habit may bite you when we move away from JavaScript, but let's not let's not confuse ourselves with that. One of the foibles of JavaScript is that anything you use as a key in any dictionary, in any object, is always converted to a string behind your back. So my array open square bracket the digit one close square bracket is exactly the same as my array open square bracket the string one close square bracket. JavaScript just converts one to the other behind your back. Huh. I'm not going to do that because that's so confusing. It's not a case of you doing it. It's a case of you don't have to worry about casting your strings to integers. If you take a string from a text area, you can just use it as an index. Hmm. That's actually really convenient that it's automatically done because otherwise you'd have to parse int all the time. That would be really annoying if you had to do the conversion. If you had to be 100% sure every time it was always a digit, that that would be really, really annoying. So the fact that it automatically converts is actually a really nice feature. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so we mentioned that all of our arrays are instances of capital A array. So that means that they get a whole bunch of instance methods available to them. 
For a full listing, see Microsoft, not Microsoft, Mozilla Developer Network's fantastic documentation on the Array class linked in show notes. But uh, the code snippets below illustrate some common examples. So all of these code snippets are designed to be run in PB in the console on pbs85a.html. So if you would be so kind as to get yourself a copy of pbs85a.html, either direct linked yeah. or download the old-fashioned way, have your, your choice is yours. I did cheat and played ahead with this, so I have been uh, been playing along, so you can probably start without me. Okie dokie. While I go bring it up so again. All of these examples are going to make use of an array that is declared in that file for our use called days, which is simply the string Monday, the string Tuesday. You get the idea all the way up to the string Sunday. Um, Right. Very boring array, but it does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, We may, not we may, I will be asking you to refresh the page a few times because we may damage this array a little bit. Um, (laughs) Okay. That's fine. So the first of the functions I want to mention is join. So you can take any array and then say dot join. And if you pass it an argument of a string, it will stick all the elements in the array together for you and separate them with the string you gave it. So in the example, we have Hmm. console.log days.join the string comma space. And so if you run that in in your console you will see that it prints out the days of the week separated by a comma and a space. Are there rules about what kind of character that can be inside that string? Because I just tried, just for to be obnoxious, I did uh, quote dash unquote, or you know, single quote, and it uh, it barfed at me. When you say... Oh, no, 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 it barfed at me for another reason. Never mind. I was just going to say, yes, any string will do. The poop emoji okay. is perfectly acceptable. Um, anything you like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another example of a very useful instance function for arrays is the slice function, which you can use to get a subsection of an array. So an example of getting the last two elements of an array would be days.slice minus two. And that will give you Saturday, Sunday, because I'm European. So when I pl- <laughs> when I played with this one... I was confused. I decided to experiment with it, and okay. I tried a positive two. Okay. And I was confused because it didn't. Well, I don't know what I thought it would do. Okay. But a positive two gives you everything but the first two. Correct. So the first argument is the starting index, and the second argument, if present, is where to stop. So minus two nothing means two in from the end and keep going to the end. Two nothing means. Skip the first two, and then everything after that all the way to the end. But it means to keep everything after that, not to... Correct. That is, if you were to pass a second argument, so say minus two, minus comma, minus four, you'd get... No, that won't work. Um, Two comma four would give you a slice in the middle of the week. Oh, okay. Okay, that helps me make more sense of it. I see what's... Okay, so yeah, it gives me Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the next one then, days.shift removes the first element of the array. It will return the first element to you and take it out of the array. So we have now changed the array. If you do a console.log of just days, you will see that Monday is gone. We have destroyed Monday. Yay. (laughs) 
I like it. The opposite of shift is unshift, which shoves something into the front of the array. So the next one is days.unshift Monday. And then if you console.log days again, we have fixed our week. It is back to normal. Right, right. Uh, The opposite of shift and unshift is pop and push. They will take from the end and shove onto the end. I think in my code, you will see me use push an awful, awful lot. I often loop over things and push into arrays. Yeah, yeah, me too. Excellent. Yeah, pushing is great. I I, I do a lot of pushing. Sometimes and if popping, I want stuff in reverse if, order, I will sh- uh, unshift into an array. And that can be useful for log entries where you want them to be in reverse chronological order so that the most recent log entry is first. Um, you can just unshift into the array. But yeah. Hang on, you're getting way past me. Way past me. I tried to stop you a little while back. I think we're having more delay than usual. Ooh. So what does what does pop do? Pop takes the last element off the array. So pop is the okay. opposite so of the shift. Opposite of shift. Or no, is is the opposite of opposite of push. Yeah, okay. It's the opposite of push and the opposite of shift. So shift removes the first element and pop removes the last element. Unshift puts something at the front and push Mm -hmm. puts something at the back. So depending on what we mean by opposite. The four corners of a square. (laughs) They're all opposite. Yeah, I got you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, square. That's a good description. I like that. Uh, The next function also damages the array. It's called sort. So if you just say days.sort, the array is now sorted alphabetically. So now if you console.log it, it's in alphabetical order, which is very different to the usual order we see the weeks in. Yeah, you actually don't have to console.log it. It spits it out anyway. Oh, well, that's because the sort function returns a reference to itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the reason for console.logging it is to show that the actual value of the array has changed. It wasn't just that the sort returned the sorted array, it actually altered the array. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I got you. And then the reverse function... two different things. Yes, exactly. So one of them was a returned value, which is what was console, which is what was outputted when you just ran the command. And then the second thing is actually show me the current state of that array. And you'll notice that the array was altered by the action. And the same is true of the last function we're going to mention, which is dot .reverse. So we now have reverse alphabetical days, which we really have made a mess of our days. <laughs> Time to refresh? Time to refresh, please. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So those functions are all so-called instance functions, and we'll spend a lot more time on that term when we get to the final biggest hat of all, which is instances of objects or of classes. Um, But the important point is that it's some array dot the name of the function. So what are we sorting? We're sorting days because it's days dot sort. Yes. Okay. So that's yeah. what all of those functions have in common. Array dot name a function. So that makes them instance functions. There are also class or static functions. They're synonyms for each other. Uh, there's really only two of them that are of interest. The first is array dot is array. So the way you can tell it's an it's a class function is because what's to the left is the name of the class. So array, array with a capital A dot is array, and you pass that an argument the thing that sorry the thing to test. So if you pass it something that is an array, it will return true. 
And if we pass it something that is not an array, it will return false. So array.isArray does exactly what it says in the tin, even if it's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. No, but that makes sense. Yeah. And then the last one is relatively new. Um, I think it came with ES6, although it might be, it might actually be even newer than that. It might have been 2017 or 2018. Um, Array.from. It will take an argument and do its absolute best to turn it into an array in any way that makes even the vaguest amount of sense. So if you pass it a string, you will get an array of characters, which can actually be quite convenient. It looks cool. Like you put in test and it became test or T comma E comma S comma T. But I can't think what you'd use that for. Um, Okay, so the arguments value in a function is like an array, but not an array. So you can't say arguments.reverse or arguments.sort. But you can say array.from arguments and hey presto, now arguments, now you have a proper array. That is pretty much the only place I find myself using it is with, that's not true. The, the, the arguments object is one place and another place is there's a thing that we haven't talked about called an iterator and some APIs, some third-party libraries use them and I want arrays and array.from will take an iterator and turn it into an array. Um, I'm skipping over iterators in this series because it's not an exhaustive JavaScript series. It's principles of programming sort of. So... It has other uses for taking things that are like an array, but not an array, and making them an actual array. Yeah. Interesting. Something okay. like an array that you want to make a real one array dot from, and hey, presto, you're away. So the next thing I want to mention, again, this is still part of our Redux, is the spread operator with arrays. So the spread operator last time we saw it as a mechanism for taking all of the key value pairs from one object and putting them into another object. Well, with an array, that concept is much simpler. It's all of the elements of the array. So if we say make an array called A1 and we give it 2, 4, 6, 8. If we then make an array called A2 and we give it 0, dot, 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 A1, 10, that expands out into 0, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. Oh, that's kind of nifty. It's very useful. So one of the most common uses for the spread operator is to make a so-called shallow clone of an array. So we have a little bit of unpicking have we heard to that do. before? Pardon? That's, have we heard that term before? I don't think so. So let's unpick it. All of the proper, all of the, everything that everything about that term we know, but I'm not sure we've used that word, but let's let's unpick it. There's a lot to unpick in that short little sentence. So many, 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 many moons ago, I explained that everything that isn't a, a Boolean, a number or a string is an object and is always stored in variables as a reference. So every dictionary is stored as a reference. Every array is stored as a reference. Every function is stored as a reference. Every regular expression is stored as a reference. And when you say one variable becomes equal to another variable, if the first variable contains a Boolean, well, then you just get a copy of that Boolean. If the first variable contains a number, you get a copy of that number. The first variable contains a string, you get a copy of the string. But if the first variable contains an array, it actually contains a reference to an array. So you get a copy 
of the reference. So you now have two names, but you have one array. And that can result, if you don't bear that in mind, you can get spooky action at a distance. So let's... I do remember that. Let's (laughs) illustrate the point, right? So in PBS85A, which we just refreshed so it's not broken, we have the array days. So let us innocently Mm -hmm. say const rev days becomes equal to days. Then we say rev days dot reverse because we want rev days to be the reverse of days. And we console.log rev days and we see what we expect. Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. Great, that did what we wanted. Now let's console.log days. Well, poop. Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. Because... So I heard what you said and I read what you said, but it sure doesn't stick in my brain what you said. I I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right, so there is one array which has... So days, the variable days, days contains a reference to an array sitting in memory that contains initially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And when you when you reverse the reference, that actually changes the real array. Okay. The first thing we did was is, make is a second right? variable. Is hang on, hang on. Okay. If we just had days, mm-hmm. forget about rev days. If we just had days and we said reverse days, days dot reverse, then that would days dot reverse. That would that would actually reverse the array that days was a reference to. Correct, as we saw in the previous example. So, okay, so if const rev days equals days, then that's that means rev days is a reference to the same array, and therefore when you reverse rev days, it makes sense that it also reverses the, 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 the referenced array. Exactly. Okay. And that okay, is only true because all objects are stored as a reference. And that's not what you... You might expect that rev days would be a copy of days, but it's a copy of the reference. And that's important. Because if you want to alter an array, you need a copy. The easiest way to get a shallow copy is with the spread operator. So if we rewrite the exact same code, we say const rev days becomes equal to open square bracket to start an array literal triple dot days close square bracket and then we do rev days dot reverse we can now see that we have not destroyed the original because the spread operator has copied the values in the array oh and the array literal makes a new array so we have created a new array with the values copied out of the old array okay hence we have cloned our original array but why do I keep calling it a shallow clone? Can you guess where this would break down? Um, I'm assuming if you did an array inside of an array. Bing, 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 10 out of 10, gold star. So okay. if your array contains references to other things, copying the values in the array just means copying the references again. Okay. So that's why this technique is very useful for shallow, co- for shallow cloning. You get a one layer deep clone. But do not assume Hmm. that the triple dot operator will give you a deeper clone because it won't. And I can prove that to you with another code snippet. Okay. So const deep array becomes equal to open square bracket 
and then spread out on multiple lines because it's easier to read. The first element in the outer array is another array, one, two, three. The second element in the outer array is another array, four, five, six. And the third element in the outer array is another array, seven, eight, nine. So we have an array of arrays. If I now take a shallow clone of that array, so const shallow clone becomes equal to open square brackets, triple dot, our original array, and then we reverse shallow clone zero this time. So we're reversing Mm. the inner array in our clone. Well, unfortunately, when we console.log the shallow clone and the deep clone, the inner array is now reversed in both. Oh, interesting. So that's why it's really, really, really useful to use the triple dot operator to do a clone of an array of values. So an array of strings, an array of numbers, an array of booleans, absolutely fine. But remember that if it's a nested structure, you've only cloned one layer. So that's why it's called a shallow copy or a shallow clone. But you very, very, very often only need a shallow clone. And it's just so easy to just use the spread operator. You will see it in all sorts of modern JavaScript code because the other option is really horrible. It's to write a for loop to rebuild the array. Why use a loop when three dots will do? Yeah, yeah. And again, readability, definitely your friend with the triple dot operator. So the spread operator is great. And so it's important we remember it exists. Okay, so the last bit of Redux, I think, and then we're into new stuff. So a very, 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 very common thing to want to do with an array is to loop over it because it's a list of things. So doing something to everything in the list is, generally speaking, what you have a list for, right? Why do you make a list to go through it? How do you go through a list in programming? You loop over it. So in this series, we've actually learned a whole bunch of ways of looping over arrays. We looked at the what used to be a very common approach before JavaScript ES6 came out, which was the for each loop. We looked at while loops. We looked at do while loops. All of those I'm going to ignore because the two most commonly used ones are the vanilla for loop, which is the way we did it for decades since like the C programming language pretty much. And then one we'll talk about in a moment, which is the new shiny. So in just about every programming language, the normal way to loop over an array is with a vanilla for loop. So in JavaScript, that is for open parens, let i become equal to zero, semicolon, i is less than the name of the array dot length, semicolon, i plus plus. So i will run over... I don't know if you remember... I don't know if you remember, but in last uh, the last episode, I said I was still hadn't written a for loop by myself. And in this episode, you said you should go over to Code Academy and go run those, uh, go through those uh, repetitive tests that, where they make you do it over and over again. And I did, and I successfully wrote me some for loops in the homework. Fantastic, excellent. That is a really <laughs> important skill. So way yeah, closer. I got way more better at it. Good, good. In that case, it's no mystery to you that what's happening here is that the value of i is going from zero, which is the first element in an array, up to one less than the length of the array. And the reason it's nice to have the length be one greater than the highest index is that it means we can use the plain old less than symbol instead of the less than or equal to symbol. Yeah, I started writing them by myself and I I was writing less than or equal and then I sat there thinking about it and, and had, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes, but I got that the length is going to be that. Yeah, it was great. I like it. That is fine. So 
we have our first line of our for loop. So the first thing we need to do, or we should, the easiest thing to do is inside our for loop, we get the actual value at that position in the array. So we say const cur day or current day becomes equal to days open square bracket i close square bracket semicolon. So first time through the loop, cur day is the first element in the array. The second time it's the second element. The third time, the third element. You get the idea. And then we can console.log the template string $curday has $curday.length letters. And as you might imagine, if you copy and paste that into pbs85a.html, or in fact any terminal, you will see that it says Monday has... Oh, I should really run this because I don't know how many day, how many letters are in Monday. <laughs> six, I think. Yeah. What mine is saying? Yeah, so 6, 7, 9, Monday 8, six 6, letters. 8, 6. So you'll see it says Monday has six letters, Tuesday has seven letters. So you can see the same code is running over and over again, and each time cur day is the next element in the array. And that syntax is very common across lots of languages, and it's not horrific. You know, it's fine. Mm -mm. I, d I didn't know you could look at a specific value and say, how long is it? Because that's not a, the length of an array, that's the length of a string of an element in the array which in this case is a string, because it's an array of strings. So remember I right, said that the could, string is a quantum anything. particle? Mm -hmm. We're asking it an object-y question, and it's just answered in an object-y way. Uh, what if it was a Boolean? What would happen if you said... It would say, compiler error, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, okay. And likewise, if right, day was the number four, it. it would go, what are you smoking? <laughs> okay. All right, there's Schrodinger again. Yeah. We'll talk in more detail about the, the how strings have... So, strings have two hats. So, we have hats on top of hats here. Jeez. Need another <laughs> analogy. Quantum strings. I'm going to call you the Mad Hatter. <laughs> okay. So, that's that syntax is very familiar to people programming in C and Java. Lots of languages have for loops like this. But ES6 introduced introduced an entirely new type of loop whose raison d'etre is to write concise, easy-to-read loops across arrays uh, and is hmm. the for-of loop. And so the exact same loop above can be rewritten in modern JavaScript as for const day of days. Console.log $day has $day.length letters. That is. So you could have you could have called it cur day the same as the one above. I could have, but normally the way people do it is they lock the s because most people name their arrays with plural to remind oh, okay. themselves that it's an array. That's a very okay. common programming technique. So if you have an array of records, call it records, not rec. Okay, and then you would say const record of records. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that makes that makes sense to me. Yeah, so you'll find lots of programmers have that rule. So even if you like short variable names, you would say rec of recs. Mm -hmm. But you would pluralize your arrays even if you abbreviate them. Okay. So Dorothy used this in helping me with my homework, and I, I didn't understand it. I looked at it and said, okay, well, it seems to do what we want it to do, but I don't see why. But now I think now I think I see why. Yeah. So the way it works is the first time through the loop, day has the first element in the array, the second time, the second, the third time, the third, the fourth time, the fourth. So each time through, the, you go once through the loop for everything in the array, days, and each time, day, is the name you give the current value. 
So it makes for very, very short and very human-readable loops across arrays. Okay. Okay, so there's a reduxing done. So now a little bit of new stuff, and there's actually not very much new stuff in arrays. In fact, it's basically one topic, which is array destructuring. So like we saw object destructuring last time, and really the syntax for object destructuring looked very, very similar to object literals, except it was on the wrong side of the equals. Well, that same is true with array destructuring. It looks almost the same as an array literal, but it's on the wrong side of the equals, or the other side of the equals. Its role (laughs) in life is exactly the same. It allows you to make multiple variables in a single line by pulling things out of an array this time instead of pulling them out of an object. So imagine we have yet again our array days. If we want to make three variables named D1, D2, and D3 that contain the values Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we can do that in one line by saying const open square bracket, the name we want to give the first element in the array, so D1, comma, the name we want for the second one, D2, comma, the name we want for the third one, D3, close our square bracket becomes equal to the name of the array, in this case, days. And so if we console.log d1 equals $d1, d2 equals $d2, and d3 equals $d3, you'll see that indeed d1 has become Monday, d2 has become Tuesday, and d3 has become Wednesday. That's sorcery. (laughs) It's a really nice shortcut. If it makes your head hurt, don't use it. But do know that if you Google for code snippets, more and more and more of what you will find on Stack Overflow uses array destructuring because it it makes for short code and programmers have a fetish for short. So can you skip over stuff? Yes, you can. Just put a comma with no name. Okay, so you you still have, if you had an array with 200 elements in it, this would not be a good way to do it. No, it's not efficient for something that long. But uh, the second example here actually shows if you only want Monday, Wednesday, you would say const open square bracket D1A comma comma D3A equals days. And then D1A will be Monday and D3A will be Wednesday. Oh, okay. So you just so skip over it. Ones, just that's comma, efficient. comma. Okay. And just like with objects, the spread operator when it's used on this side of the equals, it has a different name. It's called the rest operator because it's on the other side of the equals. It will take whatever is left over after the ones you've given names to and shove those into a new array. So in this case, um, if we say const open square bracket D1B comma D2B comma dot 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 D rest, then D1B will be the first element, so Monday, and D2B will be the second element, so Tuesday, And then rest will be an array containing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh. Now that, oh, oh, I can see ways to use that where you want to just get something, you want to get something out uh, and and have the rest exist in in another piece. That's interesting. It is very interesting. It's quite powerful, actually. I like that you used the uh, the variable name D rest because now it's going to remember remind me that it's called the rest operator because it's going to be and all the rest exactly. So you see, I'm learning from your 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 admonitions about variable <laughs> my, names. So be very careful. <laughs> my four years of badgering. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, good. So I like it. The last thing I want to do is give you a concrete example of a very, very common use of array destructuring. Okay. So before I give you the example, I'm going to do another little short reminder that strings, when they have their object e hat on, provide a function called match. And this function takes an argument, which is a regular expression, and it matches the string against the regular expression. And what it returns is an array. The first element in the array is the part of the string that matched the regular expression. And if that regular expression contained capture groups, then the first capture group becomes the second element in the array. The second capture group becomes a third element in the wait, array. And wait, what's a capture group? A capture group is a subset of a regular expression. So I'm going to give a very practical example in a minute that will hopefully underline capture groups. But you can imagine okay, a regular expression. It's not spelled at all yet, though. I don't have any feel for what the word it even is. I know. I'm trying to explain. Okay. So imagine you have a regular expression that captures a date. Let's say in American format, just because it's you. That regular expression is going to be looking for, uh, what is it first? Month, day, year, is it? How do you guys do yeah. dates? Monthly year. Okay, so it's going to be looking for two digits, then a minus sign or a forward slash sign, whatever it is you guys like. Which one? You like forward slash, isn't it? It depends on how you're writing it. Okay, let's just say a dash. It's easier to say. Um, okay. So your regular expression is going to be looking for two digits, followed by a dash, followed by two digits, followed by a dash, followed by four digits. That's your total regular expression. Mm -hmm. So if you had a sentence that says, I will see you on the some date, blah, 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 right? then that whole string will be collapsed into the match of just the date. But in reality, in your code, you probably actually don't want the whole date. You actually probably want pieces of the date. You're interested in getting out of a date, the day, month, year, probably. Mm -hmm. So inside your regular expression, you would group the pieces you care about inside parens. And we call those parens capture groups because hmm. they will get their okay. own variable in the result. I believe you. Let's, I'm going <laughs> to prove it to you yeah, but, yeah. by doing. Okay. We're not looking for dates. We're looking for dollar amounts. Okay. So you will see in the file PBS85A, there is a regular expression declared inside that file. And it is named dollar amount or E. Again, with a nice variable name. So it's a regular expression for dollar amounts. Wait, where, where am I seeing that? Uh, well, I've copied hey, and pasted it right into the show code? notes for you, but it's also oh, okay, on line okay. 54 of the file, whichever you prefer. Okay. And it has a great big comment above it saying, it is a regular expression for matching dollar amounts. The Oh, I've misspelled dollar as a dollard. Sounds rude. <laughs> okay. I, think that's I have it captured for you for afterwards. Uh, the first capture group matches the number of dollars. Oh, that should be an S. That's where that went wrong. Uh, the second capture group matches the number of cents, if any. And then we have a giant big piece of glop, which is going to need some breaking down. So the first thing in the giant big piece of glop is the dollar sign inside square brackets. That means match the symbol dollar. So not no, normally dollar means end of string, right? We don't want end of string. We want the actual genuine symbol dollar, which is why it's in square brackets. Yes? 
Sure. I, I never have any practice with regular expressions, so I don't know them at all. I mean, um, I can recognize that when I see one is doing something, but I haven't ever had an opportunity to really practice it. So, Well, do we want to bother going through what this does? Because the regular expression bit isn't important. What matters is yeah, that it matches the parts of a, of a number. Okay, sure. So what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want me to go through yeah, the regular just, expression or skip? No, just skip it. Skip it. Okay. The important yeah. thing is this regular expression has two capture groups. The first one is the dollar amount and the second one is the cent amount. Oh, so, okay. So that means that the array from the match function will have three elements. The full dollar amount, as in dollar symbol, some number, period, some number. Mm-hmm. And then the second element will be the number of dollars on its own. And the third element will be the number of cent on its own. So let's see that in action. Okay. So if we console.log the string that dress costs dollar five hundred triple exclamation point close quote dot match a regular expression, the output of that is an array with three elements. The first element is dollar five hundred, the full match. The second element is the number of dollars five hundred. And the third element is the number of cents, undefined, because there are, in fact, no cents in that string. Do we agree? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so your regular expression split this into two separate pieces mm-hmm. for us already? Yes. So the two capture groups are the two pieces it splits it into. So the capture group was not created by the mat- dot match. It was, so the dot match applied the regular expression and the dot match produced three outputs from that regular expression. So every regular expression would produce one output, which is the match. But this regular expression produced three because it contains two capture groups. So if the regular expression had four capture groups, the array would be five long. The regular expression had eight capture groups, the array would be nine long. Okay, I got you. Yeah, perfect. So again, we can see it in better action by saying console.log the string. I hate prices like $9.99 because they work, sad face. Right? I genuinely do not think that $9.99 is the same as 10 I know it is, but I still get tricked into <laughs> buying things. Because it's not 10 bucks. It's not 10 bucks. It There is one less digit, therefore it must be much less money. Order of magnitude, don't you know? So if like we run it, like that code, we get a three-element three array again. The first element is now the dollar sign 9, period, 9, 9. The second is 9, and the third is 99. Okay, yeah. So you see what it's doing. So the reason we care about this, because matching is a very, very common thing to do, and the reason we do it is to strip things apart, right, so that we can maybe figure out what month the date is in or something like that. And that means we want different variable names for the different parts of our match. So we want to take one array and make multiple variables. Well, that's array destructuring. So, as a final practical example, imagine your code somewhere ends up with a variable that contains the price of a soda as a string, $2.99. I'm hoping it's a big bottle of soda for $2.99. If we want the soda dollar amount and the soda cent amount in one single line of code, we would say const open square bracket comma. 
because we don't want the first element in the array. So we're immediately putting right. in a leading comma. Just ignore the first element. Soda dollars, comma, soda cent, close square bracket, becomes equal to soda price dot match our regular expression. Ah, uh, let me see if I can say what that's doing. So you've done the destructuring of this of this array that's g- created by the dot match with the regular expression, mm-hmm. which has three elements in it. The first is the is the full match. The second is the dollars, and the third is the cents. Mm-hmm. And then you're saying I'm going to create an array, but I'm just going to skip over the full match, and I only want the the second and third elements, which are soda dollars and soda cents. And then you can do something with those. Correct. So on the next okay. line, we print out with a template string, the soda costs some amount of dollars, as in the number and then the word dollars and, and then the word, you know, the word and. So basically we're writing it out in English. So we've broken it apart mm-hmm. from dollar symbol 2.99 into the soda cost $2.99. Okay. So That's if you run it cool. in the console, you'll see the effect. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So a really, really, really common place you will see array destructuring is with string.match. Because it returns an array. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so there we go. That's that's everything new. That, that's really all there was to learn, which isn't, you know, a lot of Redux today, a little bit of new. So okay. let's now have a look at our homework, or my sample solution to the challenge from two episodes ago. So as Can a I reminder... Can I had to- fun with it? I had a lot of fun with it, and I think you did too. I, I said, get the impression you had great fun. Yeah, I said, can I tell you that I had fun with it? I uh, I would never have gotten it done without Dorothy, my teaching assistant, and we did spend a lot of good time playing around with it, and I did get stuck for many days at a time trying to do it by myself, but uh, I still learned a lot, and wa- even while I was stuck, that's when I learned all that, that new ES17, 2017 stuff. Uh, that I could do, but I, I I found myself constantly taking arrays apart and, diction, and dictionaries and moving around, making them into arrays, and and I, I I was executing many interesting functions, none of which were solving the problem. Um, and I actually got some help from you, but I really enjoyed it. Maybe it was having four weeks to do it that helped. I wasn't stressed out; I was enjoying myself. So well, good because the only way to learn is to is to run into problems. If everything's going smoothly, yeah. the learning happening is about nil. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just a matter of not being too hard to the point where you just go, oh, sod this. So as a reminder to listeners, the challenge was to use a fantastic free and open API called exchangeratesapi.io, which gives you back a lovely JSON string containing the current exchange rates between a whole bunch of popular world currencies. Um. So my full sample solution is in the folder PBS83 challenge solution in the zip file. Uh, but it's also directly linked at the top of the show notes. So you can actually just open it live on the internet. Oh, look at this. So actually, I should do that. So, here so we go. view page or view source or both? Well, whatever you wish to see. So if you'd like to see it in action first, then view page. Okay. And was, oh, yeah, the other thing was that you were supposed to use cards because we just learned about bootstrap cards in the previous yes. installment. So what you will see is I have I have a couple of icons from lovely Font Awesome. Um, and basically, I have a card showing the euro exchange rate against the Australian dollar, the US dollar, the British pound, the Canadian dollar and the New Zealand dollar. Basically, the places our listeners, generally speaking, live. Because uh, I'm really boring and I was just like, okay, so who in the Slack do I know? Oh, yeah, there's a currency for Alistair. There's, 
Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I was over in China and Romania and stuff. I was having a good old time. You were being exotic. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, one for pounds, one for dollars. So you know, nothing terribly exciting there. Um, my cards have a heading. My cards consist of an inline list. So we had flush lists was one of the things we could have. So there's flush lists in action. And, you know, that's really all there is to it. Um, Can I tell you something I figured out that sure. I don't, I, I haven't studied your solution yet. So I don't know whether that's, uh, that's something that you did as well. But I figured out that I could pull the, um, the Ajax one time and then just divide the answer by the index of the of the the value for the index of the country I wanted the reference. So, like, if you've got a card that's for euro, I would mm. divide it by uh, it by euro. And that's why, if you see in each one of my cards, if it's the card for euro, then I've also got euro in there, confirming that it comes out as one. Yes. So I just I did didn't do it that way. It. I did not do it that way. I'll be honest. Um... Because I was kind of proud I, of I don't that. like math. <laughs> I liked it. I was really proud of myself for figuring that out. It's a good solution. It's a, it's an yeah. efficient solution, in fact. Um, yeah, that's what yeah. was. I'm going to pat myself on my little pumpkin head for thinking. Is of that. platinum better than gold? <laughs> yes. You have a platinum star then. Ooh, that's my first one. I don't know if there's an emoji for that, but we'll have to pretend. All right. <laughs> okay. So in terms of broad, big picture outline, um, I made a bunch of decisions when making designing my solution. Um, so the first thing I did was I decided to use the bootstrap grid to lay out my cards. So as you resize the page, you'll see that it goes from one card to two cards to three cards, depending yes, on how wide your screen is. Yeah. You know, that's just a choice mm -hmm. I made. Um, I chose to use one mustache template for for the card in general and i chose to have that template directly in my html file not as a separate file again oh. we learn to do it both ways there's pros and cons if generally speaking my rule is if it's a really long template or if there's like lots of them separate files or my head will explode if it's only the one and it's short it's easier to keep it all together and it has the advantage that I don't have to run my code through a web server like MAMP. I can just run mm. it by double-clicking it in the finder if it's all contained in one file. That, that's the the mustache template? Yes. So my mustache template is in my file using a script tag type equals text slash HTML. So we learned to use mustache in two ways, embedded right. or separate file. And so I went the embedded route. And I believe, because I've looked at your sample solution, you went the Ajax pulling in an external file route. Completely valid, yeah. right? It's not right or wrong. It's you have two choices and you made a choice. Wait a minute. What What did you do? You said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, using Ajax to grab my, my template file. I, I'm probably going to stick with that for a while to make sure it's cemented in my head. It's it's finally getting congealed which one's which of, of the template file and where the HTML is and where the where the the uh, double squirrely braces go and stuff that's been hard for me and it's getting it's getting clean now so I don't think I'm a mess with it even yeah, if it's don't, one line don't and yeah. the, it's neither right nor wrong it's just there are choices and I made one choice and you made another choice it's it's not right or wrong it's just do whatever works for you good um so I also decided um that I would um 
To help me make my templates pretty, I decided to build a dictionary which I named currencies in all uppercase letters, which would define for every currency I'm going to use an English name, a symbol and an icon so that I can have a pretty icon at the top of the card, the English name at the top of the card and the appropriate symbol inside each row of the card. So I just made that dictionary so that I can reference it easily. So how did you get the pretty, sim- where'd you get the pretty symbols from? Uh, Font Awesome. But how did, did you hard code? Or- so they're in the dictionary. So the dictionary, if you look in the code at line... No, 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 no. Where'd you get the dictionary? How did you build it. the dictionary? Line right. 65. But did you, I know, but did you hard code that into the dictionary? Yes. So, so if you, you sat there and typed in all the font see, it's literally for- me. Just, so you, I wrote it like we're typing over, we're talking over each other again sorry um we definitely have a delay uh are, did you hard code the font awesome for all of those uh values all of those different countries into the dictionary you typed them all in with your little fingers I did but I only did it for the currencies I used ah so this is not extensible then well, in order to add support for more currencies, I need to extend my dictionary. Yeah. Okay. I was I was thinking about doing something cute like that, but I was only going to do it if I could do another Ajax call to go grab that stuff and cram it into a dictionary for me. I was going to type that. There actually hand. is an API I found in Bookmark that will do that, but I didn't want to oh. confuse my sample solution because you get cranky at me when I overcomplicate them. <laughs> Dang it. But I'll Using dig up the me. link because it's in pocket. I kept it. So there is actually a, a free API that will give you for every country the languages they speak and the currency they use and all sorts of things. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also, I chose to index my currencies dictionary with the three-letter code for the currencies. So AUD, CAD, EUR, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose not to hard code either which cards I wanted or which currencies to display for each card. So I made two variables to store those, which are arrays. So default currencies is an array of cards and def- and display currencies is an array of what to- of each row within each card. So they're just arrays of three-digit okay. codes. Uh-huh. And then I wrote a function named build currency card. And that function generates the HTML for one card. It takes one argument, a currency, uh, a country code or a currency code, mm-hmm. sorry. It makes the Ajax request, apply, builds a view, m- renders the template, and then returns the HTML. Okay. Um, and then finally, my document ready handler simply loops over everything in default currencies, calls the build currency card function, which returns a promise for the HTML, and then... I use promise.all to collect all those promises together. And when they're all nicely done, I spit them out and append them to my document. I love promise.all. Isn't it wonderful? I I, think, I do appreciate that you made us go through the uh, the hell first and then got us halfway out of hell and then finally got us up to uh, heaven. <laughs> yes, indeed. They are heavenly, aren't they? Um, yeah. So... One of the things to note, of course, is that we have multiple rows within each card. So that means we have a loop. So I basically made it so that you had to remember how to do loops in Mustache. So Mm -hmm. my full template is copied and pasted into the show notes here, and the loop is highlighted in yellow. So 
in in mustache speak a loop is a section and you start a section with mustache mustache pound sign name of the array and then you end the loop with forward slash mustache mustache forward slash name of the array and then everything between the pound sign and the slash is looped for however many things there are in that array so I want to entertain the audience there. Dorothy, over and over and over again, kept telling me that I was going to have to loop in my mustache to succeed. And I kept telling her I didn't want to. And then at one point I'm talking to Bart and Bart says, well, you got to loop it in the mustache. I said, shut up, Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only the two of you, two of us talking. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it wasn't that hard once I just sat down and did it. That didn't, yeah, it's that just, didn't seem that hard. Yeah. The bit you want to repeat, right? And so yeah. really, there's not that much going on here. So, you know, in, in inside my cards, so each of my cards starts with a call 12, call MD6, call LG4. So that's the standard bootstrap grid there. So call 12 means full width on smallest screens. Call dash MD-6 means too wide for medium sized screens. And call LG-4 means four wide, so three columns on large screens and above. I really Dave. should have gone back and done that part, the the uh, bootstrap grid. I I thought about it. And you can do it for next time. Okay. Uh, then I said, start my card. Dave class equals card M-3 because I want the margin around my cards. I don't want them smashing into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a header. So card dash header H4. And in this case, I have base dot icon followed by base dot name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have in small a little badge, um, which contains base.code. So that's the three-letter code as a badge. Mm-hmm. And inside my loop, I just have a list item for each one with a H3. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's, it's straightforward, right? It's just mustache. Very nice. So the, the template then defines what the view object has to be like. Right, So the template mm-hmm. effectively defines the data you have to hand when you're rendering the template. So what's the, shown below is my full function for build currency card, which is an async function because we're returning a promise of the HTML and because I want to use async in a wait. Um, so my function has three steps. Make sure I was passed a valid currency code or be cranky. Use Ajax and await the Ajax to go and fetch the currency information for the relevant currency code. And then I console.log it to help you, the listener, see the structure of the data before I transform it into my view object. Then I build my view object using a loop because we need an array, so I need to loop. And then I console.log my view object so you can see the actual effect the loop had. What, you know, what did the loop actually do? So it's a really good way to, re- to sort of remind yourself of how loops work. Um, and then only when I have my view can I call mustache.render with my template and my freshly built view. So you used async and wait. Why not use a promise.all on that instead? Well, I do use a promise at all, but I use the promise at all in the document ready handler. So this function it does one card. Mm-hmm. This way I can change my mind on how many cards by only editing 
my document ready handler and just having it make another card. So the function is nice and self-contained. It does a card. So the function right. is simple. And then the rest of the work is done in the document ready. Yeah, my, my, uh, mine is as well. I have a function called make card and I run it. I just run it over and over again. Okay, so why would the promise that all be inside the function? Then? It well, it isn't, but I also don't do any kind of AJAX call in it either. Yes, because you did your AJAX call once, and then you do the math. So again, you have very different design to mine. Yours is actually more efficient. I see. I see. Okay. Oh, and I had to learn uh, dot to fixed because I got tired of seeing all those uh, all those digits. <laughs> very good. Yes. Okay. That, that actually that's very nice. I should have done that. Yeah, because mine have a lot of digits, actually. Yeah, Yeah, it looks kind of nice when they're all lined up better. I'm confused by one thing. Mm -hmm. You've got const card view equals, and you build this dictionary. Mm -hmm. But one of them is dot, 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 currencies. Ah, What is that dot, dot, dot doing? Uh, So that is me using the spread operator from last week's installment. Right. That's what I thought it looked like. So currencies... Currencies currdata.base is a dictionary. It's my dictionary that I defined up above. So it is name colon some value, symbol colon some value, icon colon some value. So I'm mm-hmm. taking those three things and shoving them into my new, into my view. So I'm taking all three things from my dictionary and putting all three of them into my view. Yeah, I'm 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 bothered. You're bothered. I am because you've got um you've got inside this dictionary code colon curdate.base comma and then mm-hmm. you've got something without a comma it isn't a key value pair there. Exactly, it's that's one the spread thing. operator. So the spread operator is pulling in multiple key value pairs. Take so all the key value pairs from the dictionary that follows the three dots, which in this case is currencies curdate.base. So if curdata.base is... I can't is, see what that looks like, so I can't see that that would okay, be the key value pairs. That's why the console... Okay, so uh, currencies is the list of... is my dictionary of all the currencies, and curdata.base is whatever the current currency is. So it, let's say for the euro card, it's EUR. So currencies EUR is name colon euro, symbol colon the euro symbol, icon colon I class equals FAS, hmm. FA euro sign. Okay. So those three keys, name, symbol, and icon, are what get pulled in there. Right. I'd have to so, uh, spend some time scrolling up and down, up and down, or open two copies of it to see what you're talking about, but I believe you. That makes sense. Well, that's why I did the two console.log, so you can yeah, see. Yeah, I didn't have the console open. Yes, but I'm just saying, so for, for people listening, the reason I've done the console.logs is so that if you want to go and actually pick through this with a fine-tooth comb, I've made it a little bit easier for you because I've done the logging. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, and That's also, cool. it was a really good excuse to give you a practical example of the thing we've just learned about. Yeah. I didn't I, I, believe I'll, in it until I saw it in arrays, by the way. <laughs> it's 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 really nice in arrays, but it's also very useful in objects. So they're both useful. Okay, I'm going to leave you with a final challenge. Or not a final challenge. And I, You can tell me if you want two weeks for this or not. Um, I'll leave it to you to decide how many weeks you want. Uh-oh. So using your solution or mine, doesn't matter. I would like you to start the process of turning this from a web page into a web app. 
by adding two features this time. I would like you to add a close button of some kind to every card and when the user clicks on it, the card should vanish. I would also like you to add some UI where the user can choose to make a new card appear with a currency of their choosing. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's the first step to making an app, right? The user gets to decide what currencies is shown. Okay. My my knee-jerk reaction is is four weeks. <laughs> I am happy with that. Nice. If you, honest to goodness, honestly, if, if I am completely happy with that because it sounds simple. I've said it in two sentences, but it's not simple. It's a significant piece of work. Yeah. No, this doesn't sound simple at all to me. This sounds this sounds hard. <laughs> okay. Sold. Okay. It's a double one. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about when that is, because that'll be uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so we've got some negotiating to do. It might be five weeks then. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Probably can pull it off. But uh, yeah, that that sounds fun. Yeah, I I think that sounds real good. You may notice I'm slightly teasing you because I've said this is the first step in making this into an app. The next challenge will make this into an even more appy app. But I'm not going to scare you with the next challenge. That's... That's for the well, so that means we have to wait four weeks to find out what the next cha- the next piece is, huh? Well, I'm perfectly happy to tell Makes you sense. that I'm going to want you to make a text box so you can type in any amount of euro and have it tell you how many dollars, pounds, etc. it is. <laughs> right? That's the next most useful thing to want to do is to be able to actually say, well, what's five euro and 66 cents? Oh, okay. But don't don't get carried away with that. Just make them appear and disappear for now. Okay. okay. So at this stage in the game, we have looked at the two most obvious hats the JavaScript object likes to wear. We've looked at the dictionary hat and the array hat. So we still have to look at the function hat. That's a big one. We have to look at the regular expression hat. There's a nice new feature that I want to tell you about. And we definitely need to look at the new Schrodinger's hat for strings. And then when we've done all that, we're going to go to the scariest hat of all, the one that I know I'm going to have to be very, very careful with, which is the prototyped objects or the instances of prototypes slash classes, the object oriented stuff, which. Okay. Which is super simple and sinks right in when you tell Allison about it. Well, (laughs) I am hopeful that on this Redux, it will be twice as easy as it was when it wasn't a Redux. There you go. Can't be harder very carefully laying foundations as we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying this. I, I hope people aren't frustrated that are faster than me, but uh, I'm, I'm liking this circling through and picking up the new stuff, and uh, I like it. Yeah, and as I say, I mean, we're wrapping up our JavaScript coverage, so it's important that we, we, you know, we tie up our loose ends and that we make sure we have the understanding we think we have because we're going to meet exactly the same ideas in the next language, which is PHP. So we have decided PHP. Yay! I think we have. The, the, the community was unanimous. And it said, <laughs> while people suggested other things too, everyone said, PHP is a good idea, but blah, blah, blah would be cool. But everyone <laughs> said PHP, and some people said PHP or, but there was no yeah. one answered who didn't include PHP. Or said, no, I have no interest in PHP. So that's no one good. said that because as much as people, people did say, I don't like PHP, but it's <laughs> used all over the internet. <laughs> hey, can I give a palate cleanser? Oh, please. Yes. 
I don't know if you saw, I posted this in Slack, but um, for the audience, I'm a huge fan of the mind mapping application iThoughts, and mm. I just love it. It's the greatest thing in the world, and it's clearly written by a nerd because <laughs> uh, he, the developer um, just included the ability to search your mind map using regular expressions. Yay! <laughs> That's brilliant. It's so you know nerdy. I'd use that. I know you will, and I know Alistair will. I know that people definitely will. There's no question about it. So that's very uh, powerful. Yeah, and super nerdy. Someday, well, especially I'll learn. all right. So nerds have a tendency to have naming conventions, mm. and a naming convention is a nice pattern structure, and regular expressions match patterns. Oh. So if you're the kind of nerd with a naming convention, this regular expression thing is a game changer. Actually, that just reminded me, my the one I've been using, the mind map I've been working on recently is I created a mind map to do a nuke and pave and uh, where I've got all of my applications on the right-hand side and everything I have to do about them on the left-hand side. And all of the ones that are from the Mac app store say space dash M-A-S. That's a regular expression. So Right. So I could go and do me a regular expression, say, show me all the ones from the Mac app store. Yep. Cool. Yeah, it's powerful. Well, I thought you'd like that as a little uh, little palate cleanser there. I love it. Actually, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that I've been meaning to do more mind mapping. I think you've just convinced me. It's amazing what you can do if you tell Barty he gets a regular expression for free. (laughs) All right, sounds good, Bart. Okie dokie. Well, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do. I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.